All right. Well, let's jump in and we're going to end our series on evangelism. This is, we made it a five-week series or I made it a five-week series because I ran out of material after five weeks. I'm joking. I'm joking. You can talk about evangelism all the time. I just have a five-week limit. That's about all I got. (laughs) But let's learn some things about evangelism. That little quote there on the bottom, speak and do not keep silent, is God's word to Paul. In Acts 18, which was our first week, we looked at that and studied that. But if you have an app or a Bible, open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to learn something new from the Word of God. If you're new with us, we honor the Word of God here. The infallible Word of God that doesn't return void, that is a strong foundation in every culture, in every generation, and in every person. It doesn't matter the culture, it doesn't matter the background, it doesn't matter the age, the ethnicity, the Word of God changes lives. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, let me set this up a little bit. This is the first letter ever written to a church. There is an outside chance Galatians was the first by Paul, but most of the evidence, it's 1 Thessalonians. So we need to understand that of all the letters, one-third of the books in the New Testament written by Paul, this is his first to a new little fledgling church. It's close to my heart because the Lord spoke a scripture to me from 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It's hanging there on a wall, a part of our core values of how we accomplish the vision of this church. That's the way we do it. We know God, we grow in community, and we go near and far. That's the way we accomplish the vision of the church. So this is a young church. He spent a year and a half building this church and discipling it, and then he left, he went to Corinth, and then he's going to write back to the church. So you are getting the view of the church is a couple of years old, he's writing back to it. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 8. Paul Silvanus, that's just a short, uh, the long word for uh, Silas. That's just the way you say uh, Silas. And Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We as leaders and any kind of spiritual influence need to be proclaiming the grace of God and peace in life. Right? That's the way he starts it off. I like that. Verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. That should sound familiar from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, usually always talked about at weddings, but these three things remain faith, hope, and love, right? At the end of that chapter, that's very similar here. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, I'm in verse 5, in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what's going on in life. You have joy if you have God in your life, even if there's much affliction. So that you become examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from, the, for, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. 
All right, you've got some notes there. Let's learn some things from this text about evangelism, about how a local church does evangelism when Paul and them are gone. When even the pastor's not in that week, when it's not a Sunday morning and the professional's not doing it when the church is doing it. So let's look at this. He starts it off with three names, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Those are common names in the New Testament. You hear them a lot. Paul had as many as 18 spiritual sons. This is two of them right here, especially, you know, everybody knows Timothy. But Silas was also younger than him, a buddy, a friend, but also a spiritual son, someone he mentored. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It's funny, it doesn't just say Paul. This is a unique letter that he's addressing all three of them as starting the church. He's saying, listen, when we came to Thessalonica, we did this together. This wasn't the Paul show. This was the, the, the us show. It was three men. We even counted the dog when we started, and we just started evangelizing. We started talking about the gospel, and we'll talk about the specifics in Acts. You can read about Thessalonica, but we just started with us three. He gives the credit to everyone that was there because everyone that's there matters. Everyone that's there has a part in building of the body of Christ and of evangelism. It's amazing that usually, you know, when you start a letter, you start it, he may say Paul the Apostle and some, but when he starts this letter, he just puts himself and Timothy all in the same plane. says, we all did this. Number one in your notes. Evangelism must be seen as everyone's ministry. Say everyone. Everyone. Whoa, that was good. God. Telling you, if you're new with us, we have a great congregation. It's pretty phenomenal. We just Friday, we had our volunteer appreciation dinner. Every year we do it. August is kind of our volunteer appreciation month. It was a blast. I'm looking around, looking at these people. We laughed. We had a good time. We ate crawfish. It's always a good time with crawfish. And I'm thinking, God, we are so blessed to have such great people who run and do the ministry here. We've got Silas's. We've got Timothy's. We've got... Um, Aquilas and Priscilla's, and those are all New Testament names, and men and women. Let's look at a couple scriptures that support that evangelism is everyone's ministry, not just the pastor, not just someone who's evangelistic, it's everyone's. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 19. So they were a year and a half in Thessalonica. Then they go to Corinth. Look right here. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was preached among us, among you by me or by who? Oh, us. And then look who those guys are. There he is, by me, by Silas, by Timothy. It was was not yes and no, but in him, yes. There they are again. The, that, that, that group of three, that, those three amigos, they're starting up churches all over the place. So if you turn just a few pages over, it really gets universal for all Christians in 2 Corinthians 5.18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's a amen. You can even do the silent amen. Just look and go. 
That's a silent amen. You don't have to say it. God knows. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God in Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? Us. The word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. This is a wonderful thing. God goes above age, demographic, personality. It, none of that matters to him. All he says is, come to me and I'll use you. Come to me and surrender and I'll use you. We, we often can invalidate ourselves by our own weaknesses or thoughts or whatever weaknesses we have in our life. I want to show you a statistic. Put up this little slide right here. This was a long sociological study done, and this is what they came up with, some psychologists. Even the most introverted individual will influence, how many people is that? Oh, that's 10 large. 10,000 people during his or her lifetime. This is the most introverted person. The quietest will influence 10,000 people. God, if you, if you would even say to yourself, I'm the quietest person in this room, or I'm the shyest, there's 10,000 people God has for you to influence. Is that a great thought? That's a great thought. That is good. This is not in your notes, but we're going to do a little, uh, not Bible, it's not Bible work. This is an off day, it's Sunday. Go to Romans chapter 16. It's not on your notes. I just want to show you something. Go to Romans 16. Swipe to it. Go to it and look at it. Just start perusing down that chapter. Start looking at it. Start perusing through it. You're specifically looking for people's names. Just start going through and just start looking for people's names. You'll see men's names. Yeah. Keep going. Ladies' names. Yeah. Families. Sometimes it's just... Uh, they, they, Paul's thinking they got nine kids. I'm just going to say the family. He for, you know Paul. He forgot all the names already. He's like, oh, what was the name of those kids? He just put, their, he just put the family. Church in someone's house. I'm going to show you something. There are 27 named people in the book of Romans 16. Not including when he says family, and I don't know how big that was. There was homeschoolers, family, that's a dozen people right there. I can say that, I homeschool, can say that. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you, Paul and the early church knew by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that evangelism, that church was everyone's ministry. He just names them all, lists them. I mean, he's just calling 27 names in one chapter from the book of Romans. Evangelism must be seen as everyone's ministry. Come on, say amen. amen. Okay, you can do it silent if you want. Just, that's fine. Let's go back to our main text, 1 Thessalonians. Now, how do we do this? How do we become effective evangelists? One, 
okay, I'm an evangelist. God's called me to. He saved me. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to proclaim who Jesus is through my life, through my testimony, with words, without words, in every way I can, through parenting, through uh, being a mom at home, raising those kids. God will bring someone. Maybe the UPS man needs Jesus. I don't know. Verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all. Here's the key to being a successful evangelist. This mentality right here, number two on your notes. Godly influence is wrote of thankfulness for all people. Godly influence is going to come to you when you, like Paul, you know they had some knuckleheads in this church. You know that this church was, which we'll talk about in a little bit, was created in much conflict and strife. This is not easy, mamby-pamby stuff. You can do something for the Lord, you better do it. Come on, we got Jesus with us. We don't mess around. Come on, men. You just, yeah, flex it up. That's for the guys. It's not for you ladies, okay? We need to understand that when we're gonna, if we're going to be successful evangelists, we need to look at everyone and say, I'm thankful for them. I love them. I don't know who they are, but God loves them, and I'm going to be thankful and through thankfulness, that's when influence comes. Come on, tell the truth. When you're talking some, to someone and they act like they really don't give a care about what you're saying and they just want to get out or get away or whatever, or they have a, a this is a struggle for me, they have like a 30-second time span and then they're thinking about something else, that is a direct result of thankfulness for that human being. And you're, they will quickly learn they're going to open the door to you or close the door to you based on if you actually love them and you're truly thankful them. Paul's influence was an influence of loving thankfulness. We are thankful for how many? You all. All. And that is how Paul became the most influential Christian in his entire generation, right? In the known world, really. Godly influence is the result of thankfulness. For people. This is a theme throughout Paul's life. Look at Romans 1. Romans 1 8. First, Uno. Number one, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ for how many? You all. Rome? Rome was a mess. Rome, the Roman guards are the ones who crucified Christ. For Rome? Not Rome. Come on. I love America. You know, maybe New York City and San Francisco, they can fall off into the ocean. But everyone else I love. And parts of Washington, just. For you all. You want to influence this culture and this generation? You want to figure out how you're going to deal, how to love and deal with millennials and people leaving the church or lost church. People don't know Jesus. People are confused. People have different religions and backgrounds and everything. You come to them with loving thankfulness and they will open up to you. You will have influence over them. It works every time. Every time. Godly influence. We need it. Do we need a greater influence in the church? 
We've seen some influence slide in the church over the last many years. Do not fret and do not worry. We have a God who's faithful in every generation. And even now he's speaking to us. He's showing us the word of God. And he's saying, I want you to change that. And that influence in the local church is going to change. And influence in this church is going to change. And influence in your personal life. Why? Because I'm going to walk in every situation saying, I'm thankful for you all. God, use me. God, let the spirit of the Lord speak to me. Come on now. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's go back to our main text. 1 Thessalonians. Let's go down to verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, to understand this, we have to go to what happened. And praise God, it's recorded in the Bible. Not all of the um, actions are, but this one is, and it's found in Acts 17. Go to Acts 17. What's just much affliction? Right? What is this? I want to know about it. Go to the book of Acts, chapter 17. I'm so glad that the Bible is not all wine and roses. I'm so glad because that ain't real life. That's not real life. Not at all. You know, you got jobs and kids and life and things that break and all that. It shows the down and dirty, the difficult the hard. Acts 17, 4 and 5. So remember, he's writing two years into the future. We're going back now to when the church was actually started. This is when it started. This is like day one. Okay, so we're going to read Acts 17, verse 4. Let me back up to verse 2, and then you'll pick up in verse 4. Then Paul, as was his custom, as his custom was, went into them, and for three weeks, and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with, with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer. He had to suffer. Note that. He had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. This is the church. This is the city. This is where it all started. Verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. I tell you, envy will do some ugly things. Took some of the evil men... From the marketplace, some hired thugs, some, some hired guns, and gathered a mob. Well, that's a way to start a church. I thought I had a, a, a rough time when I started the church. I never had a mob come after me. And gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Now, let me explain. Who's there? Paul, Silas, and Timothy, right? They're the leaders. They're responsible for it. So Jason was already saved or become saved, and they're kind of running the church. It seems like out of his house, so that's a central meeting point. Well, this mob attacks this guy's house, but guess who's not there at the time? Paul and them aren't there. So they drag Jason out of the house, probably physically with the people there. It's a huge, this is an emotional mess. Can you imagine a mob coming into your house? 
You're a guy. You're trying to protect. I mean, it's just crazy. This is horrible. It's, it's tragic. All this happens. They bring him to the magistrates. Um, there, there is some abuse to him. He, he, gets, he, gets, he finally gets out and then comes back, and then they tell Paul and Silas and Timothy. Now, man, you think about this, especially older people. Can you imagine starting a church, and instead of, instead of them arresting you and hurting you, they go after the little guy, the kid, the front door greeter for the first time, the person doing children's ministry. They go after them. Now, I'm going to tell you, as the pastor, that's tough. You can come scream at me, punch in my face, whatever. People don't do that. People love me here. (laughs) But you go after them, I'm actually going to be way more down in the dumps than some attack on me. That is a rough way to start a church. That is as hard as it gets right there. Come on, parents. Come on, people. You know. It's like, oh, they they, they got Jason. The poor guy's just trying to serve the Lord. He's not the one in full-time ministry. He's not the apostle. They all know where he lives. He's got a family, most probably. And they go after him. His home's wrecked and destroyed. Paul throws his hands and says, oh, God. Lord, I know you called me here, but... You know he had some midnight prayers, right? Silas got on knees and like, God, this is not the way it's supposed to work now. Look, I'm ready for persecution. I know that. I'm like a full-time minister, but not, not Jason, not his family. These Christians have been saved for three weeks. Three Sabbaths, he reasoned with him. Three week Christians. Three weeks of faith. It's not some veteran. I love that we get to read in 1 Thessalonians two years later. If we would have left them right here in Acts 17, oh, it's a little depressing. It's tough, isn't it? Oh, but no, no, not with God. Oh, not with God. Not with God. Even what the enemy intended for the bad, God has turned it to the good. He, we go forward in reading our text in 1 Thessalonians. There's a thriving church that loves people, that is so great that others, other uh, towns are hearing about their great faith and what God's doing in their life. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Number three on your notes. Your pain and failure can preach the gospel. Now you have to let God use you in that, right? It's not automatic. It can make you angry, bitter, frustrated, or you can fall on your knees and say, God, you're so great. Every hurt, every pain, personally, in ministry, Let's do a survey. How many of you have been in a part of a church and say for more than 10 years? Raise your hand. Oh, a lot of you. A lot of deep faith. I promise you, you could sit me down and tell me some rough stories. Some hurts. They shouldn't have done that. But God says, you come. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. And I'll fill you with joy. And in fact, other towns will be talking about what I've done with you. That's what he said right there. Come on, are you going to let Jesus? I let Jesus. It's so wonderful. I have problems and issues, but I thank God I'm free. I live in freedom. I'm not mad at one person. I'm not angry at anyone. I love people. Oh, it's so wonderful. 
is to serve King Jesus, to be free, to love him, to love people. It's a wonderful place. Come with me. Come on, let's all do that. Now, is that a light that cannot be hidden? Is that a light that the world needs? In much affliction, let God do a work so deep in you that your pain and your failure will preach. I don't know how Paul and Silas and Timmy, Timmy, (laughs) I don't know him that that well, Timmy. (laughs) You know they called him that and he probably got mad at him. Don't call me Timmy, especially when I'm preaching. Poor guy. He probably had a baby face already, you know, he looked like a kid. He had a lot of struggle, didn't shave till he was 25. That's not the Bible. I don't know. Okay, I'm off my notes. I lost. Okay, stay, stay on the notes. <laughs> Help me, Lord. It's Labor Day weekend. What God did also in Paul and Silas and Timothy, what he did in all of those people through the Holy Spirit, how he brought healing and health was miraculous. And you need to look for it and see it in your life, in your ministry, in your family, and in your church. I don't care if a mob came right in the middle of your home and there is trauma. That's trauma. That is trauma. God's greater and he'll do a work. Jason's actually named throughout much of the Bible. He's still doing ministry years later. That's a great work. When the mob busts in your house and 20 years later, you're singing with Jesus. You're doing ministry. The Holy Spirit's with you. Come on. That's supernatural stuff right there. That's what I want. That what you want? Of course you want that. You're here on a Labor Day weekend in the rain. (laughs) <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Come on, let's keep going here. Verse 7. In much affliction, and then it goes right into verse 7. Oh, I got to get back there. First Thessalonians. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Now, the first stop on Paul's missionary journey were those two, these two cities. This was the first churches planted in all of Europe. He didn't write letters first to them. The first letter ever written was right here. But they were his first stop and his first church planted in, in Europe, in Macedonia. He's writing to these persecuted, rough start, life wasn't easy, First Thessalonians, and he's saying, I want to tell you, Macedonia is talking about you. Macedonia. Our saviors is talking about you. (laughs) Like the biggest first, you with me? They're talking about you, about the great things God's doing. I like that. Come on. This is what this tells me. This is what this tells me. This is no internet. There's no tweeting. There's no alerts on your phone, and that news has traveled that fast. I mean, it's boom, spreading and going out. Number four in your notes. Expand your thinking about the local church. Expand it. I want to expand it. I'm asking God for greater things and bigger things. We need to step back and say, God, you're bigger. You're bigger, Lord. I want to expand the way I think about the influence of the local church, about what we can do. I want to expand my thinking. The disciples came to Jesus often and said, Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Expand us, Lord. Expand those peg tents. Expand it out and say, God, what do you want to do? 
I'm reading this. Oh, what do you want to do? Come on, do bigger and greater. Expand your thinking about the local church. Here's another local church. Go to those stinking Romans. Oh, I'm sorry. Go to the book of Romans. <laughs> those stinking hated Romans that everyone hated. You know they had some, some officers in that church, huh? Oh, my goodness. How do they go to church? You know they didn't come in their uniform. They're in like regular clothes to go to church. Romans 1.8, we just read the first half. Let's look at the second half. For I thank God, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, for everyone, that your faith is spoken throughout, how big? The whole world. Is that expand? Is that big? That's big. The whole world. If God can use the Thessalonians like that, if they can be so brought up that, it, that, that the other uh, cities are thinking about them, the other cities are talking about them, and God can use those, stink, God can use those Romans that the whole faith of all the world is known, all the, all the world is talking about their faith, do we need to expand our thinking? Come on. Expand your thinking about your kids. Expand your thinking about your abilities. Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because his strength is made perfect in weakness, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Expand our thinking. Amen? Come on. Come on. All right. We're almost done here. Verse 8. First Thessalonians. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. It's the picture of a bugle. I'm not a musician, as y'all just noticed. It's the picture of trumpets, not a bugle. I'm sorry, trumpets. The word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Caia, that would have been enough for me. He's still saying expand and look what God has done. But also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out so that you do not need, excuse me, so that we do not need to say anything. <laughs> Paul got a day off. Paul got a day off. Why did Paul get a day off? Why was the pastor not doing all the work? Why was there no pastor burnout? Why, why was there no moral failure as the individual? That's on me. I'm a strategy man of character. I was about to say that, but that didn't make sense. Why am I talking in my head out loud? <laughs> so that we do not need to say anything. Paul said, this is a perpetual generating motion machine. I don't have to prop it up. I don't have to keep it up. The pastor doesn't run it. The church is going forth. This is nuclear fusion, and it's nonstop power and energy. I don't even have to touch it. It's gone. In fact, I couldn't keep up with it if I wanted to. I'm too old now. Timothy and them, they're off in Corinth. It's a perpetual motion moving machine. We don't even have to say anything. Number five on your notes. Biblical evangelism, according to this scripture, it's congregationally led. Congregationally. 
It's led by you guys. It's grassroots. It's organic. Amen? Paul said, three weeks of preaching the Sabbath, of preaching on the Sabbath, all that persecution, a year and a half of discipleship. So what he spent? He spent a year and a half doing discipleship. So that's what it takes. You're not going to be changed overnight. Year and a half discipleship. And you guys are thoroughbreds. If you were new with this, I've already said we have a great congregation. Come on, we need to say, okay, Lord. I'm sorry. You need to say, normally I say we. You need to say evangelism is congregationally led. So we don't need to say anything. Come on, let's stand up. Stretch it out. We're going to read one last scripture. We're going to spend a few minutes with Jesus. I ended early so we can spend some time with Jesus. We've got to get back in the presence of the Lord. Put Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 up on the screen. This is a famous scripture. This is an echo of what we just read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. It's called the fivefold ministry or people who are called to be in ministry full time. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, literally the building up of the body of Christ. That scripture is encapsulated. The whole spirit of that scripture is everything we talked about in 1 Thessalonians. Well, let's go to Jesus. He's a God who wants to move, who wants to speak. Let's, let's bring everything to Him. Everything. come to her. We're going to all come with beautiful, wonderful service. See, in the world, when you throw up your hands, say you have to surrender, you lose all your rights. You lose everything. But when you come to King Jesus and you throw up your hands, you gain everything. You gain Him. You gain heaven. You gain freedom. Confidence. The presence of the Lord in your life. The ever-present help in time of trouble. This little church here, they did it in affliction, in pain and hurt. They said, oh God. Even Pastor Paul, Silas and Timothy said, oh God, you've got to be greater. And he was. Come on, let's all come to him. Let's all come to him right now. Prayer team, you can come up. We're going to spend a few minutes with Jesus. As Blue leads us in worship, you may need prayer. You felt it even in worship. Oh, Lord, you're moving. You're, ah, you want me to do something? I need to change. This is how I find my path. So what we're going to do is you just think about the different scriptures. Not my points, the scriptures, what they represent. This is how I find my battle. Maybe there's affliction that has hurt you. And God's saying, I'm going to take that pain and that failure and I'm going to use it. He wants to use it. Maybe you need to expand, expand your thinking. 
Maybe God's calling you to say, I'm calling you to be the evangelist. Whatever you need prayer for, we're going to worship for a few minutes. There'll be people up here to pray for you. Let's worship. If you need prayer, please come. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I find my battles. 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 This is how I find my battle. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Lou had a testimony he shared with me this morning. He's going to share it right now. As we got five more minutes before we close. Go ahead. I was doing my Bible reading this morning in the book of Isaiah chapter 42. And... Uh, God just reminds me constantly that it's not all fun and games to be a Christian. That, you know, you can look through any chapter Jesus is mentioned in and there's ups and downs in the whole chapter. You know, he's raising dead one minute and people are doubting him the next. And, you know, he's healing the sick and then he's being crucified. And if we're Christians, sometimes we get locked on those promises of God. We think that all those promises are all free stuff. Like we just pull God's arm like a slot machine and all kind of good stuff comes out. Well, it doesn't always look the same way to us as it does to him. And in the book of Isaiah chapter 42, I found it really odd that it says God's promise of help as the, the subheading, the topical heading. The Lord's promise of help. And then it says, I will lay waste to mountains and hills. I will dry up all their vegetation. I will dry up all their pools. And I'm like, wait a minute, God. Woo, you just said you promised to help. That don't sound like help to me. And the Holy Spirit said, you know, sometimes I have to till the ground before I can plant the seed. Sometimes I have to tear up some stuff that you've got in your life before I can replace it with the stuff that you're asking me for. Sometimes you want the keys to a Maserati, but you can't even ride a tricycle. And it's going to have to come in time, at a time when you're able to handle the things that you're asking me for. Sometimes a promise of help looks like destruction. Sometimes a promise of help looks like removing some people from our life. And I just want to encourage you that if you're going through that right now, that if there's some destruction in your life and you've been praying, God, give me good things, there's a real good chance that he's destroying some things so that when you get the good things, You'll not only be able to use them, you'll appreciate them. Come on. The local church in Acts grew and exploded because of persecution. That's historically verifiable in the Bible and other texts. It was the persecution that spread people and the gospel all over the known world. 
including what we read here. Come on, let's come to Jesus. Come on, let's come to Him. Every part of us, every part of us, He's got great things for you. But He loves us. He will not have idols or anything else in our life. Lord, we lay and surrender everything down to You. Every time, talent, and resource we have or ever hope to have, it's Yours. You have saved us. You love us. It's all Yours. We're asking that You would make us a light. Lights burn. We understand that, Lord. But we will not live this life without proclaiming the goodness of God in our generation. We will not live this life without proclaiming Jesus Christ as Savior alone. We will not live any other way from the deepest part of our conviction by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It's the only way to live. It's the way you live. So ask right now. He's going to put it in you. Ask Him right now. Lord, we all ask together. Do this deep work in us. doesn't matter what you take away. We rejoice in it, Lord. Do a deep work in us so that we can be like this church, individually and corporately, who can proclaim your name in persecution, in whatever we're dealing with, as you give us greater thoughts and bigger pictures. We thank you, God, for this. We thank you, God, for this.